0: Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update podcast, actionable information for industry leaders. I'm Tony Uphoff. Hi, everyone. It's Tony coming to you today from my home in New York City. For the past few weeks, our team here at Thomas has been working remotely as COVID-19 continues its dangerous spread across the world. Before we dive into today's podcast, I want to take a moment to share a few resources that should be helpful to you and your team during these uncertain times. First is the Thomas Coronavirus Resource Hub for Manufacturers and Industry Professionals. At thomasnet.com slash coronavirus, you'll find an all-encompassing resource with guidance on how to locate the suppliers who have critical medical supplies like PPE available for sale or donation. Discover which states have shut down non-essential businesses and even find templates to make critical supplies like face shields and masks in your facility or at home. It's an incredibly comprehensive page with almost every link or resource you may need. But if you have a question about something our team hasn't covered yet, get in touch with us. You can email us directly at podcast at thomasnet.com. Second, I encourage you to stay up to date on the quickly changing landscape of coronavirus' impact on manufacturing by reading Thomas Insights, the news and analysis section of our website. You can also sign up to get our latest coverage in the Thomas Industry Update, our free daily newsletter by going to thomasnet.com updates. Our editorial team has been writing a wide variety of articles about topics like how to lead your industrial business through these uncertain times how to communicate with your customers, and even some fun STEM experiments to keep your kids engaged while they're home from school. You can find all of those resources and more at thomasnet.com insights. And with that, let's start today's episode. Today, I'm joined by Ralph Weiser, the VP of Operations at Alexander Work Inc., a manufacturer of high-tech compaction and granulation machines and the former president of the Manufacturing Alliance of Chester and Delaware counties in Pennsylvania. While well, Ralph had originally planned to share tips on how to train, engage, and retain industrial employees, given the current atmosphere, we actually ended up talking a great deal about how coronavirus is impacting the manufacturing sector. Ralph and I spoke just a few days after Thomas team members began working remotely and right as industrial businesses across the country were pivoting their typical business strategies to ones that would accommodate this quickly shifting global pandemic. In today's episode, we discuss how Ralph's company is handling the changes by harnessing Industry 4.0, digitizing customer communication, and prioritizing employee morale. And he shares his actionable advice for how leaders should handle this unprecedented global event. Ralph, thanks so much for joining us. And, and I know uh, this is gonna be a particularly special episode of uh, the Thomas Industry Update podcast. And, and before I, I ask you to describe a bit about your background, I wanna share with our listeners that we're recording this on March 18th. And this is a unique time in the world, let alone certainly in uh, the global manufacturing industry as the industry is learning to deal with the coronavirus. So uh, I know our conversation is going to touch on that. But to give our listeners a bit of background before we get into that, Ralph, why don't we start with, with, take a minute and just describe your your background and how did you get into a a career in industry?
1: Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for for having me. And it's it's really a, I don't know, I'm running out of adjectives of how to describe this time, but it's certainly... Fair to say that no one has experienced anything like it. And um, we are primarily busy in the pharmaceutical, chemical and food industry, uh, helping people make things flow better through their machinery in terms of difficult powders. And and it's unbelievable because we had to hunker down with our team leadership and pull our emergency deployment and, and business continuity programs like anybody else did, trying to figure out how can we make. Uh, our customers whole how can we help them make it through this and uh, and it it really deals with also a little bit about my background because um, and kind of like why it it is just as scary as it also is a little bit exciting to work with a team when engaged and when you have a company culture where everybody pulls together and um, you feel better automatically because uh, my goodness we're all human beings and we, we have major concerns and when we are in, in embraced by a company culture that that helps us all make it through another day and then also helping our customers it's really awesome but to your question I was as you can tell not born here in the US I was born and raised in Germany and I went through a mechanics apprenticeship after high school and was later then, uh, working as a service tech for the same organization, and then also worked for the same organization for 30 more years here, all the way from shop management into senior leadership, where I helped grow the small subsidiary uh, in senior management to to go from nine people and about three million sales to 115 people and 75 million in sales. And I've had many people ask me, "It's like, how on earth did you do this?" And as was. Well It's like it wasn't senior leadership. It was really our approach. And I think I'm hoping that we can touch on some of these points of like what our mental approach was in terms of leadership in helping build a flourishing culture that then later on can carry you
0: when you need it the most in times of crisis like this. Describe a little bit about the process of, for lack of a better term, Ralph, kind of pivoting to you know remote contact with customers and and perhaps prospective customers and things like that and how have you all dealt with that and what are some of the challenges and and perhaps maybe areas of success that you're seeing in that area
1: maybe i should preface this by saying sometimes the future finds you without you ever looking for it and and what i mean by that is here we have industry 4.0 that is sometimes an overused and misunderstood term but it's like leveraging technology, meeting with advanced manufacturing, and then also with hit by crises. crisis. So we're talking about or asking me about the pivot point. The pivot point to me was that we, we have a lab, we have some assembly repair service techs, and of course, salespeople. How in the world do you do this all remotely? And it was fascinating. It is fascinating every day when our team comes up with creative ideas of, man, how can we leverage all this technology that we have that we haven't really used or had to use? And we all of a sudden say, oh, instead of having a lunch and learn, let's deliver this content with a webinar right here in our lab rather than being in front of the audience like in person. Things like that. Our technicians all of a sudden are available via Zoom. They they can actually be on people's computers or or machines or something like this. It's incredible to see how all of a sudden this ambiguous term industry 4.0 becomes reality where we say, wow, that's not only machining, manufacturing, one-on-one putting things together, but it's also leveraging technology, information technology across the board in order to make it through another day.
0: Yeah, Ralph, I think you described that so beautifully. And one of the things that we're hearing uh, a lot from the users of our platforms and services and certainly from the suppliers in product oems is that as this is is moving along you know they they've they've invested in advanced manufacturing and technology in the factory if you will Some companies are more prepared, however, for the digital transformation of industrial sales and marketing than others. And I I think you're putting your, your finger right on the challenge here. And if there's a positive forcing function, as you and I talked about before we went on air today, perhaps that's it, Ralph, that companies now realize that they can leverage these available technologies we're getting literally thousands of requests from customers of ours to help them understand how to use what are today fairly easy to use tools and techniques. You mentioned you know, platforms like Zoom and others, and I'm not going to give commercials for the various platforms out there, but it does feel like this is a moment when, if I can use the expression, our broad industry is waking up to the potential of the digital sales and marketing that they've needed to pay attention to in today's modern manufacturing and industrial world. Absolutely.
1: And and to to tack onto that is, and this is now something um, that was a book that I read that's called uh, Dig Your Way Before You're Thirsty, and that is really dealing with the impact on if you now need to rely on your people to be engaged, to be positive in this rather dire situation where you should have really done something about your leadership and and the culture, fostering a culture that would enable people to be creative and and moving on forward with deploying some of these creative initiatives without you having to stay up late at night and worry about it all or try to uh, any of those. This is, I think, where I believe Our industry that has that uh, triple D effect of, oh, you guys are dark, dingy and and dangerous in in terms of manufacturing. This is, I think, where I encourage all my business leader friends who, who might be listening to also look upon your own leadership style and of how inviting you are to this concept of, hey, how do I embrace the newest generations coming into my my business? How can I embrace a culture that is working on building structure, building purpose and impact and offering that to people, building career paths, because it is easier than you think. It does take some time to build them, but once you do, it's really like, wow, you can actually start working on your business rather than in it. Because it's, it's tireless. There's always something new. There's always another crisis. There's another widget that gets made elsewhere cheaper, better than you. Competition doesn't stop. But I think that necessitates you having that culture to rely on. And when that meets this powerful technology from today, wow, even like folks like us who have, have stuff that's been around for literally, uh, I think, 75, 80 years with a company that's over 100 years old. I venture in saying if we can do it, just about anyone else can do it.
0: Yeah, it's such a great point. I was in a conversation with someone yesterday where we were talking about, you know, a, a crisis um, shines a, a harsh spotlight on leadership. I think you're taking it to the next step, and it's a such a great point, which is a crisis also shines a harsh spotlight on culture or lack thereof. And I think it's a really compelling point that at a time like this, I think we're going to see both the positives and negatives of it. Talk a little bit more about the three Ds as you call them, and and I, I have shared with our listeners before. We are huge believers that the manufacturing industry has been so mischaracterized and, and used as a political football and, and not well understood by the average quote unquote person out there. Talk a little bit more though about how you view those three Ds and how you try to coach some of your business colleagues into understanding them better and, and understanding what to do about that.
1: Well, the, the, there are a couple of elements on that subject matter because local communities, schools, just about a lot of people around us think that we are exactly this, that we offer nothing but debt in careers and we pushing levers and, and produce things. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And I wouldn't have known as much as I do if it hadn't been for my own children. And as they go through the notion of going into and out of high school, do I go post-secondary education? Yes, or no? what is out there. And also from a company point of view, because I've really turned outward and saying, it's like, man, why? I'd rather embrace the youngest folks because they go to school, they learn an awful lot of things. Why on earth do I not tap into that powerful pool of job candidates? And I've I've spent a lot of time in communities and schools, and I found it absolutely astounding how few people really know anything about what the term manufacturing means. And there are a lot of misgivings about it and, and complete misapprehensions about our industry. And at the same time, they're being pushed into thinking college is the only thing. I've always said it's not either or, it's a yes and. What if you can combine it? I mean, I, I went from being an apprentice mechanic to management team member and only later got a dual degree, a bachelor's degree even in, evening college. This is not an all-exclusive. It's like start somewhere, look at careers, encourage your parents, and I encourage parents to say, go out, take a look at what careers are out there, engage in internships. You know, is there a, a day that I can get my kid out there and work shadow or do something like this? Also for employers, one thing that I've seen works excellent is participating in your regional version of What's so Cool About Manufacturing student video contest. If you have middle schoolers invited into your building, it is amazing what that will do to your uh, team members' morale. Because when you have eighth graders looking at you and they're all mesmerized, what you do every day, that is very uplifting. But it also shows to students how many different caveats of careers you, you are possibly offering to people. Because just look at yourself. You know, when you were young at school did you think you were you were going to do what you do today probably not the same is true for me start somewhere this is so much more an, a request than a call to action for business leaders not to poo-poo the younger generations and not to forget that the other generations are in it for the same thing the purpose the impact growth flourishing and also of course a career that, that flourishes as well That is also true for the job candidates. You start out somewhere and you can grow into another career, but you need to start somewhere
0: and build your career path by ways of going to college later. It's a fantastic description, Ralph, and two thoughts and then a follow-up question there. I was fortunate enough to be asked on behalf of Thomas to keynote uh, in Pittsburgh recently uh, at the Catalyst Connect uh, event where they were hosting the finals of the video contest of what's so cool about manufacturing in Pittsburgh and some 600 people there, a couple of hundred young people. I was blown away by the creativity and energy, but also to your point, there was some 500 manufacturing companies and they were so thrilled and excited that you know many of these kids have been in their facilities and seen it. And I will tell you, you know, I have had a a long career in the business information industry. I think it's a really cool business. If there had been a video somehow when I was in junior high that could have described the business I'm in, I'm sure I would have been intrigued. But (laughs) the question, it's related, Ralph, for you. It's my interpretation, let's suggest, that the idea of apprenticeships has not taken off in the U.S., certainly the way that it had in Germany. Why do you think that is? Oh, wow.
1: Well, and you talk to somebody who has been through the three-year apprenticeship as a mechanic over there. And I've heard very often that people say, over in Germany, they have something that works. Why don't you copy and paste it? And it's like the the overall recognition of the value of such a career path and also training and job career training is just not being recognized here for, for various reasons. And uh, th- that's why it's not that easy. There's also a way of um, the adaptability of it all. The European programs, especially the German programs, adapt so quickly to the what the job demands are. It's incredible. Where here, very often, you hear apprenticeship and then you think more of the trades. And here, in the United States, we, we have, especially in manufacturing, a growing skills gap because all these things that got taken over by machines, as they should because they're going to do it elsewhere, but now you you have to have somebody who is even more educated and trained on the next level up of being able to install the high-tech machinery, maintain it, troubleshoot it, integrate it, and do some other creative things. So where do you get the training? So that that is the kind of training that is very difficult to come by in form of apprenticeships, which I wish there was.
0: Yeah, Ralph, such great insights and and there's so much there and I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners because I know I come across people that perhaps don't have your global experience and the understanding of how this operates. And oftentimes I get asked the question of, hey, it's so easy, why don't we just do apprenticeships the way Germany does? There's governmental subsidies and all kinds of programs there. There's similar programs in other countries with that. But sticking with training and uh, job skills for a minute, Ralph, these are different types of jobs and they are a combination of the artisan nature of building things along with advanced technology skills Talk a little bit more about where you see that going as we run headlong into Industry 4.0 of what is that type of training and, and forget where it comes from. How, how do you see that evolving?
1: I think where this is going to go is that we're going to be invited, especially in small to mid-size, And maybe even it's true for the bigger ones, but we're going to be invited to build organizations that are going to be a lot flatter that have a built-in career paths where every job might have like a, a entry, mid-level, high-level, and then maybe a team-level career path automatically built into it based on competencies. But it, it's going to be with at a very high skill level and there's always going to be a little bit of self-leadership and leadership of others being involved with it because I think our careers in manufacturing, they're going to get more exciting because we need to deal with integrating very complex things. America is the country of, I would like to purchase it, but I'd like to for you to build it my way, which means it usually increases complexity and it might drive down the quantity. And, and that means you can only make that go around and make a profit if you have an engaged workforce that you can measure as a business leader, how engaged they are, because profit as well as revenue per employee is something you can track because it comes out in terms of engagement. And that is where that cultural element comes back to full fruition where the skill set is up there and you're going to have to figure out how to get people those competencies.
0: So got one more question, Ralph, and then we're going to go to the last two questions that we ask all of our guests. We've talked a lot about recruiting and bringing talent into the manufacturing industry. What we haven't talked about as much in this conversation is what can industrial business leaders do to retain top talent? You've certainly hinted at it in your discussion here about culture, but talk briefly about that and then we'll get to our final two questions. Sure. I invite business
1: leaders to shift their focus, not looking at their employees, but looking a little bit in the mirror because I think... This comes down to uh, four key elements of your leadership, because if you don't manage to build a safe environment for your folks, where they are allowed to make mistakes, be vulnerable, make sure that you are going to ask for advice. You don't need to know everything. It involves helping collaborate with people and being genuine and authentic. That is where we're headed, I believe, more and more and more. If you don't help people in in to uh, help create and build and keep on purpose a purpose and impact. You you're doing yourself a favor, and then being transparent and open to communicate early and often. I think those are the four things. In, I would say in quotation marks. That's all you need to do. <laughs> It sounds maybe ambiguous, but I, I know that this is more a self-reflection rather than looking at your team leads or the, the employees coming in. Yes, that's important, but it really starts with you as a business leader.
0: Ralph, I'm going to thank you again for joining us. I'm going to tee up the last two questions, but I, I do want to emphasize an ongoing thread here of culture. I think at a time of change and certainly during the what we're living through right now, you're really illuminating for our listeners the need to build and develop and nurture a culture it is not just running a company and having people do their jobs there's something about culture that plays such a definitive role here all right last two questions for you what's one thing you wish more people understood about manufacturing
1: well i'm probably going to be running the danger of
0: (laughs) repeating myself but
1: i believe parents educators and companies should definitely encourage the idea of work shadowing building internship opportunities, building a bridge straight into high school, technical colleges, high schools or something like that, even colleges, to go out there, meet in person, build relationships, and be open and actually physically look at the careers that we've got to offer. Because it's a 100% win because there's a 50-50 chance that you either like it, you hate it, but you're going to know more about
0: it. But give it a chance. Great advice. And our last question, Ralph. If you could put a sentence on a billboard that best expresses your personal philosophy, what would it say? I'm going to keep it with somebody who certainly
1: knew a lot more than I did. And that was Mahatma Gandhi, because it is really something that I truly live by. Be the change that you want to see in the world.
0: To learn more about how you lead your team and business successfully through these uncertain times, and for more information on coronavirus-related resources for industrial businesses, please check out the links provided in the show notes of today's podcast. The Thomas Industry Update podcast is hosted by Tony Uphoff and produced by Michaela Tierney. If you'd like to share your feedback about this or any other episode, please email us at podcast thomasnet.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on apple podcast or recommend us to a colleague your feedback helps us continue to advocate for industry across the airwaves want to get more insights on
1: supply chain iot industrial business and more Sign up for our Thomas Industry Update daily newsletter. With more than 300,000 subscribers, your inbox will be in good company. Subscribe now for free at thomasnet.com
0: updates.